Let us pray, friends. Almighty God, as we come before you during this time of looking at your scripture, God, may the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you. May your holy people, your people, the church, hear these words, reflect upon them, and change their hearts for you in a more way than yesterday. God be with us in Christ's name. Amen. So today we're going to, I'm going to take in a, not an audible, but we're going to look at the second reading from Hebrews. So who knows who wrote Hebrews? Anybody? We don't know. We don't know who wrote Hebrews. Maybe. It's always the debate. It's in, in uh, classes and seminary. Who wrote Hebrews? We don't really know. But it's good words for us this morning. It's part of our Holy Scripture. And today, uh, I'm going to put my teacher hat on a little bit. Um, and we're going to go back over what is atonement. So, first of all, who knows what atonement is? Anybody? Yeah. There we go. Taking responsibility. So, Jesus took responsibility for us. That's the basis of today's message. So, thank you so much. That was so precise and on point. And so, um, we're going to actually look through the whole... Uh, verses from Hebrews. So we're going to look at verses 1 through 18. So I'm going to reread some of that for you because we didn't read all of them this morning. So here are these words from Hebrews 10, 1 through 18. The law is only a shadow of good things that are coming, not the realities themselves. For this reason, it can never by the same sacrifices repeated endlessly year after year, make perfect those who draw near to worship. Otherwise, would they have not stopped being offered? For the worshipers would have been cleansed once for all and would no longer have felt guilt, guilty for their sins. But those sacrifices are an annual reminder of sins. It is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offering you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. And with burnt offerings and sin offerings, you were not pleased. And then I said, Here I am. It is written about me in the scroll. I have come to do your will, my God. And first he said, sacrifices and offerings, burnt offerings and sin offerings, you did not desire, nor were you pleased with them, though they were offered in accordance with the law. And then he said, here I am, I have come to do your will. And he sets aside first to the established the second. And by that will, we have been made holy through the sacrifice of the body of Jesus Christ once and for all. Day after day, priest stands and performs his religious duties. And again and again, he offers the same sacrifices, which can never take away sins. But when the priests, with this priest, had offered for all time one sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God. And since that time, he waits for his enemies to be made his footstool. And for one sacrifice, 
He has made perfect forever those who are being made holy. And the Holy Spirit also testifies to us about this. For he says, this is the covenant. I will make with them after that time, says the Lord. I will put my laws in their hearts. And I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sins and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. Amen. So again, this is the fourth Sunday of Advent. The sacrifice of Jesus was necessary. Was necessary. And uh, God is love. God is love. Amen. He is. God can do all things, right? And we've talked about this, that Jesus is the way. And so when we say that there's other ways, we downplay the need for the sacrifice of Jesus, right? Jesus had to die for the sins of the world. He had to atone for our sins. And, you know, Christmas is a joyous season. But, you know, in order to get to Lent and get to the, the crucifixion of Christ, we got to get through the birth of Christ, which is what's happening during this season. But Jesus was born for a reason. Now, I don't want to get ahead of myself here, which I'm doing. But Jesus, Jesus was a sacrifice. Now, it's sad for me that people don't recognize, you know, who is Jesus? The, the Jewish people of that era did not recognize Jesus. Nor did anybody else, right? Nobody really recognized Jesus other than right, those that were following him and eventually would give their life to Christ. But I wish they would have read Isaiah chapter 53. The foretelling of Jesus, right? The foretelling of his crucifixion, that he would alter the path of history forever. The crucifixion of Jesus is told in every book of the New Testament with the exception of three. Anybody want to guess those three for me this morning? What's the shortest book of the Bible? Philemon? 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 Right? It's like one page. It's not in there. And then first and second John. The book of Matthew has 141 passages that deal with the crucifixion of Jesus. The book of Mark includes 116 verses. And Luke contains two entire chapters. The first half of the book of John takes us all the way up to Jesus' crucifixion and death. And if we go all the way back to the book of Genesis, chapter 3, verse 15, which speaks on man's fall away from God, that they chose to sin. We see that the prophecy through Jesus, has come true. That Jesus came to fulfill the prophecy that God would heal the world of their sin. God would heal the world of their sin. That God would take all of us sinners, right, and forgive us and love us right where we are, no matter what. And right, it's hard to love sinners, is it not? Is it not hard to love sinners? Especially when it's a sin that you don't like, right? It's a sin that's different than your sin. 
So we judge people for their sin? Is anybody else guilty? I mean, I'm getting a lot of blank stares. I'm guilty. Okay? We're all guilty. When someone's sin is different than our sin, we look at it differently. Right? And we judge. And we, man, we're humans. So here we are in the first four verses, right? And we open up by the Jewish people. And again, we're talking historical here. So we, we have to be careful how we, we talk about these verses. These are historical verses of what happened. And we see that the Jewish people put into action their faith. Now, I commend that, right? We should put our faith into action. And they did so by performing sacrifices year after year after year. And it was a repeated failure to try to rescue them from their sins. And what do we learn from Jesus about these sacrifices? What do we learn from those red letters of the Bible? What saves us? Is it those sacrifices? No, right? John 3, 1 through 8 should be a familiar passage. When Jesus talks to Nicodemus, right? And he says, you must be born of the water and the spirit to enter the kingdom of heaven. Now, what I love about this passage is going back into the sacrifices is the fact that it has nothing to do with the sacrifices. It has nothing to do with what they're doing or what we're doing, right? It all has to do with God, right? In baptism, for example, it has nothing to do with the pastor. It has nothing to really to do with the person being baptized. It has to do with what God is doing in that act. Taking that child, taking that adult, whoever it may be, and claiming them for the kingdom of heaven. It is his work, not ours. That's the point. The issue at hand in verse 2 Again, if a single sacrifice could purify a person, why would they need to do it every year, year after year? And in John 14, 6, Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. And lastly, we see in verses 3 and 4, a dangerous situation. Because the sacrifices they are performing did one simple thing remind people of their sin. It did not atone for their transgressions, right? So we can do this today, right? There's no amount of good works, no amount of things we can do that are going to atone for our sins. We can try, right? But it's going to fail every single time because Jesus is the only way. And to me, that gives me ultimate freedom, now, for some people, it may give them an excuse to go sin, and that's not the point, right? The point, again, is not, well, Jesus paid for my sins, so I can do what I want. No, friends, that's not the point, right? And, and this is really, again, and I've brought this up, as Lutheran Christians, this is hard, because Luther is misquoted when he says, sin and sin boldly, right? But the latter part of that quote is, 
but believe in Christ even more boldly. Right? Christ is the way. He is the one that forgives us. Man cannot be cleansed by his sins, by animals, right? And we, we obviously, part of this impacts our worship today, right? They brought the unblemished lamb to be sacrificed, right? Their first fruits. What do we do that in church, right? It's called an offering, right? At offering time, we bring first our best fruits, our unblemished lamb, as a sacrifice to God, not to save us. We partake in communion, right? And we'll get into that a little bit more. 1 John 1.7 says, But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. And the blood of Jesus, his son, purifies us from all sin. Now, this is a hard one to really listen to. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship with one another. So what does that mean? That goes right back to what I was just talking about. Jesus saves us. He redeems us. But then we walk in the light, right? So we try our best to walk as faithful people of Jesus. WWJD, what would Jesus do? And sometimes that's really hard, right? I mean, in life's most, most difficult circumstances, when you're frustrated and irritated, right? I, I think I told y'all, when I went to the hospital with the three of us, I was so angry. Y'all didn't want to see me, okay? You didn't. And um, because I was mad. I wasn't used to what's going on in the hospital system here in the East Coast, right? I was expecting a different level of care. And I was told I was the strange one. Well, I am the strange one. I'm from South Florida and, and things are different. So, um, and I'm really grateful for people of the church reaching out and trying to help us. But we all fall short of the glory of God. Romans 3.23. It's not in here. Romans 3.23. If anybody, you want a Bible verse to memorize, that's the one. We all fall short of the glory of God. And then there was a plan. God has always had a plan. Now, his plan is not always our plan. And that can sound so cliche. I hate it. But it's the truth. God's plan is not our plan. And therefore, when Christ came into the world, he said, Sacrifice and offerings you did not desire, but a body you prepared for me. Right? We got to the ultimate sacrifice in verse 5. So you guys know the Christmas hymn, Mary, Did You Know? Right? You guys like that song, Mary, Did You Know? It's beautiful, right? But we all know the response is Mary did know, right? She did know that Jesus came to die for the world. Did he, that, I mean, could you imagine? You're a child. I mean, I know it's God in the flesh, but it's your child. You're going to raise that child up. You're going to take care of him. You're going to change his diapers. You're going to be with him up late at night when he's crying. And then he's going to die on a cross for the sins of the world. As a young man in his 30s. But Christ came into the world because we were unable 
through our sacrifice, according to the verses here, to cleanse our own sin through the sacrifices, right? Again, the, all the way back to Genesis when we failed to live the way that God called us to. Acts 4.12, and there's a lot of scriptures again this morning. But Acts 4.12 tells us this. Salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. There is no other name. There is no other path to God, friends. That's offensive, I know. For, For the world that we live in, it's offensive. But there is no other path to God other than Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. And and I've had conversations since I've been here in Dundalk with many people who think that there are 20 ways to heaven. Right? There's there's all every religion is the same. But friends, I, I hate to tell you, it's not true. The gospel would not uh, defend that type of belief because Jesus says here. Paul tells us, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. Now, notice this word must, right? Must, not can be, must be saved. As we continue in verse 6 here, we see that the sacrifices were insufficient. Again, to save us. They were unable not only to not save us, but take away the guilt of sin and death. Right? Because if we sin, which we will, I hope morality has not gotten to the point in this world that we don't have guilt for our sin. Now, for some people, absolutely. They have no guilt in sinning. They have no guilt in telling a lie or blaspheming, right? Man, that drives me crazy. That's the worst of them. When I hear the Lord's name used as a curse word, that is the one that Pastor Blue, no matter who it is, (laughs) will tell something to somebody, right? I don't care. I'm going to correct them right there on the spot. Forgive me. There are so many people that have no guilt. It is up to the Christian. Now, we don't want to be around making everyone feel guilty and, you know, like, I don't know, depressed. But we should tell people that their sin is a real thing. That the Lord has given us commands to follow. That the Lord our God loves us so much that he wants us to live our best lives. Right? Romans 10.13, everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Everyone. You guys remember, let's see, what was, there was a sermon I preached here on Philippi. Do you guys remember that sermon at all? It's online. And it talks about how one man went and and talked to another about Jesus and how eventually 10,000 people got saved. Right? Under heaven. Because they talked about Jesus through one person. Simply, we have to surrender in verse 7. As Jesus would surrender his life for us. He says, see, 
I've come to perform your will, to lay down my life exactly as the Scriptures said I would. The death, the death of Christ was foreshadowed in the entire Old Testament. And the book of Revelation. Jesus came to serve, not be served, friends. And as Christians, we must do likewise. Now let me tell you, it is difficult to serve people. Does any, has anybody in your jobs in the past, have you had to serve people? Okay, any, yeah, anybody been a waitress or a, yeah, we got, we got a few, right? That's got to be hard work. I, I worked at Chick-fil-A for a little while during college. Never worked in a restaurant other than that, and it was hard work. It is difficult to serve people. Now, yesterday, I think Kevin said 36 boxes. Is that right? 36 boxes. Now, many people were very appreciative and loving and caring and even crying at the fact that they got a box. So praise be to God. You guys did an incredible ministry. Some people are difficult. <laughs> we were talking about this. Some people are difficult to even serve. But you know what? It's not the point. The point is we're serving people where they are. As frustrating as they can be. And I too am frustrated sometimes. But Jesus came to serve, friends. In verses 8 and 9. Christ came to bring a new system. To replace the old one. The system founded by his blood. Which would cleanse man of all sin. Even the most horrible sinners would be saved by His grace. And this is difficult because there are people that commit horrible, horrible crimes. Right? And I've seen videos of, you know, someone murdering a family member and the family forgives them. Forgives them in the name of Jesus. I don't know how sometimes. Right? If someone were to take the life of a family member, well, you saw in my own family that happened recently. Someone tried to take the life of my cousin. and she's, she's doing well. I don't know how she can forgive him. But it happens. It happens through Jesus. Because Jesus forgives us completely. Hebrews 7.25 tells us this. Therefore, he is able to save completely those who come to God through him. Because he always lives to intercede for them. Again, in this new system, we are completely cleansed of sin. Given a new life and made white as snow. And lastly, Jesus' sacrifice this morning, verses 11 through 18, brings us, brings Jesus to perfection. It brings us to I don't want to say perfection, but brings us to the point that we get to enter paradise with God, right? Again, verses 11 through 14, the priests of the Old Testament offered those sacrifices every year. But Christ created the need for only one. And in the following verses, it says, He was placed in honor at the right hand of God. He took his seat, a position of the utmost honor. But how did that happen? That's, 
That's what the following verses are going to tell us. There was a procedure. I mean, God is a rightful judge. So first in verses 15 and 16, a legal contract, a covenant with God is made that the blood of animals is no longer used as a sacrifice. That the blood of Christ purchased us freedom from the forces of sin and evil. We are reminded of this by the Apostle Paul in Acts 20.28. 20, Keep watch over yourselves and all the flock for which the Holy Spirit has made you overseers. Be shepherds of the church of God, which he brought with his own blood. We are overseers of his church, friends. And lastly, verses 17 and 18, we go through a detox. Right? Now, I want you to really visualize this. Detox. Now, we're not going to raise hand if anybody's been in detox before. I don't want to know. Or if you've had family members in detox. It's a serious thing, right? I've, I've witnessed it. People that are severe alcoholics or drug addicts, they shake, they sweat, they violently get ill as their body is trying to purify themselves. It's a horrible thing in many ways. But when it's all said and done, they are healthier as a person, right? When we accept Jesus, when we acknowledge Jesus into our lives, we go through a detox, right? Because I know this is already later in my sermon, but we talked about this, our yearly Bible verse, 2 Corinthians 5.17. So I only got a couple more weeks to talk about it. In Christ, we are a new creation. The old is gone, the new has come. We go through a detox so that we are a new creation. We are purified for Jesus. And in the end, he erases our sins. So when we go before him in the throne, we can go to heaven. We can have eternal life. Psalm 103.3. It states, who forgives all your sins and heals all of your diseases? And then again in 103, Psalm 103, verse 12. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. God has removed our transgressions. He's wiped us clean as right as snow. He's, he's made us as clean as snow. So like when the death angel appears at our doors in Exodus 12, verses 13, 23, and 34, the death angel came. God has put the blood of the Lamb, His blood, on our doors. That the wrath of God as revealed in Revelations will not be visited upon us. Again, since we have put God's Word in our hearts and our minds. That we have eternal life when we die. And as John 5.24 tells us, Very truly I tell you, whoever hears My Word and believes Him who sent Me has eternal life and will not be judged, but has crossed over from death to life. And unless we put his blood to use in our lives, it is of little worth. And after that, we shall enjoy eternal life with Christ. So friends, hear the good news. Simply, Christ died for us while we were yet sinners. 
rejoice in his sacrifice and his atonement this Christmas season. Amen. God be the glory.